Oh, we lift our voice to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So thankful to be in the presence of the Lord. I tell you, the Spirit of the Lord is already moving in this house. Uh, some of you that were probably here during choir practice could hear uh, worship that was already just going forth in this place today. Uh, it's wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord. God's going to do some great things. John chapter 12, just one verse of scripture, and then we'll get into this lesson uh, as we continue on the lesson room for the resurrection. John chapter 12 and verse 3 uh, says, Then Mary, then took Mary, which is the sister of Lazarus, uh, took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard. It's very costly. She wiped his feet with her hair. And the whole house, the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. And today we're going to talk about Mary's posture of worship. So let's pray for the lesson this morning. Lord, we love you this morning. Give you honor and praise in this house. You are certainly worthy to be lifted up today, God. And we just bless you in this place. Ask you, Lord, to help us now to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Lord, help us to receive this word in good ground, God, that we can be better. We could be changed today, Lord, and certainly be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Could you give him another hand clap and shout of praise in this house? <laughs> Hallelujah. We thank you for your word, Jesus. We praise you. You may be seated. God bless you this morning. The Lord is good. So we've been talking about room for the resurrection, making room for Jesus in our homes and, and just making sure that uh, we uh, don't only think about him here. It's not just about, uh, well, I've got to go to church on Sunday. It doesn't matter where we are. We should have room for the Lord in our life. And uh, then we talked about uh, the resurrection of Lazarus last week and how that Mary and Martha were charged with obedience not just to have faith and believe, but to be obedient to some things that even seemed uh, just very tough to do when they were asked to remove the stone from the tomb. They knew that their brother Lazarus had been dead four days. They knew that uh, he was decomposing. They knew uh, that the stench would be horrible and that it would be a, a very uh, undignifying for uh, to, to remember the dead this way and to do that, but they had to trust Jesus that he knew what he was talking about. And so today we're going to talk about still with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, we're going to talk about Mary's posture of worship. And if we want to experience the resurrection and life that Jesus brings to us, then worship is part of it. You will not experience uh, the miraculous uh, you may witness the miraculous. There's a difference between seeing it and experiencing it. Uh, but to experience it, to be a part of it, to have it really do something in your life, you will be a worshiper and you will uh, worship sacrificially. Uh, it's uh, it's going to cost something uh, to worship God in spirit and in truth. He told the woman Jesus did at the woman at the well said, they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And, and I, I want to make sure that we understand today that worship will bring 
uh, into a place where we can experience miraculous things. Deliverances in our life can be obtained uh, if we can come worshiping. There's many scriptures. There's, uh, in, uh, as Jesus came down from the, the Mount of Beatitudes, we know about the leprous man that uh, came worshiping and said, if you will, you can make me whole. And uh, he was healed that day of his leprosy, made whole. And then we know the man who had a legion of devils. That uh, When he knew that Jesus stepped onto his land, uh, he came and fell down and worshiped. He, there was something. See, worship doesn't just deal with what's going on in your surrounding circumstances. It gets past that. So he could say, I've got this going on in my life. I'm naked. The Bible says he had no clothes on. He was naked. He was uh, always cutting himself, crying. They, you know, he, he, he had a rough life. He lived among the tombs. And he could, took the uh, exterior of his life and, and, and chose a reason not to go to where the Lord was, but worship is something that comes from inside. It is something that the creation can always identify with, whether it obeys it or not, and it can feel that pull. And there was something, no matter what was wrong in him, that he knew that this was. Uh, maybe uh, the man, which he's nameless to us, the man with the legion of devils, I mean, that's all we know him as, but uh, he's nameless to us, but he was not nameless to God. And God knew who he was, but maybe the man did not know immediately who that was. But when he began to hear them spirits inside him murmuring, saying, hey, that's the son of God, uh, somehow he realized uh, that this was not just any ordinary man, and it pulled him, and he ran and fell down worshiping uh, at the feet of Jesus, and it brought deliverance into his life. And so uh, we need to understand that uh, worship, real worship, will cost us something and, and it will uh, not always be pleasant or, or even pretty sometimes uh, when we worship. It will, not all, it will be not wrapped up in a, a cute little bow and just a little pink package. And, and uh, it's not, you know, when we talk about worshiping during this Easter season, you know, Easter is full of the pastels. You know, you got all the the Easter mints. You got the mint green and the little pink and, the, and everything's blue and yellow and it's springy and, and we think about soft and bunnies and peeps and stuff like that. You know, yes, all that uh, stuff like that. You know, but that's not what it's about. You, you know what it's about? It's about uh, being whipped. It's about being beat. It's about being crucified. It's about uh, blood being spilled. It's about the cross. It's about the purchase of our redemption. It's about the resurrection of the Savior, and that kind of worship uh, is not, uh, it doesn't come cheap, it doesn't come easy. There is a, a, a historical account, I want to read something, uh, kind of sets the groundwork for some of this, but during the reign of King Frederick William III of Prussia, uh, his nation there at that time was in dire straits, they were fighting uh, Napoleon in that time, and they had almost bankrupt their nation uh, fighting this war in his efforts to continue to arm his forces while rebuilding from the conflict's damage have, had left the national coffers uh, empty. So surrendering was out of the question, but he was out of ideas as how to go on. And after careful reflection, he decided to ask all the women of Prussia to bring their jewelry of gold and silver to be melted down for their country. 
And for every ornament received, he would exchange a decoration of, of bronze or iron as a symbol of his gratitude. Each decoration would be inscribed, I gave gold for iron in 1813. The nation's response far surpassed his wildest hopes. It was overwhelming. The amazing development was that these women prized their gifts from the king more highly than their donated jewelry. The reason was easily grasped. The decorations were proof that they had sacrificed for their king. It became unfashionable in Prussia for women to wear jewelry. As to do so, it indicated that the individual valued valued her own luxuries more than the good of the country. And thus was established the Order of the Iron Cross, whose members wore no ornaments except a cross of iron for everyone to see. And so it's like that when we serve the Lord. You know, they took things that were valuable or of their values. Maybe they were heirlooms that were passed down, but they saw that there was a greater need here than them walking out looking pretty, being decorated, having something uh, that was of value but was just sitting on the dresser or sitting in a jewelry box and they realized that uh, I need to give this to the king and that's how it is for us when we serve the Lord and it's uh, uh, when Christians come to their king they too exchange the flourishes of their former life for a cross Jesus said we must take up our cross daily and follow him True connection with the resurrection power of Christ cannot exist absent of a sacrificial posture of worship in each one of our lives. Only when we bow in humble surrender and lay down all of our own comfort ways, possessions at His feet, do we position ourselves properly to experience the work that the Spirit wants to do in our life and that He wants to perform just as Mary did with this precious ointment We must worship with complete abandon uh, to really know who he is. We cannot hold back in our worship. Sometimes we might hold back in praise because we don't want to be too loud. We don't want to bother anybody and and, uh, we don't want to disturb or disrupt. But worship cannot be half-hearted. We must worship him with our whole heart. We must give him our all. Uh, Praise is about what he uh, is doing in the moment. Praise is about what he did uh, keeping us uh, safe or healing our bodies. It it deals with things that we can hold and touch. Uh, That's what praise is about. But worship is eternal because we will worship him forever. We're going to worship him forever and ever and ever. I am a worshiper before I am anything else. The scripture says that God does not hear the prayers of sinners. But if any man be a worshiper, now here's the thing. Uh, A sinner is going to have that brief interlude as a worshiper. There's a transformation that happens almost instantaneously. That when he puts uh, his need for God ahead of his life that he is living, and God hears him at an altar of repentance, and he is no longer that sinner, but he is now transformed, and he and God is hearing him, and now he is on his way to being born again and becoming a child of God when he is filled with his spirit. Because we see receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It's not uh, the, the, 
there ain't enough desire in the world to make you a child of God. You must receive the Spirit to be His child. And so that worship, when we begin to worship God, it doesn't matter what situation we're in. We begin to worship. God can hear us. God can help us. God can bless us. God can take care of us. Whether it be physical ailment, whether it be emotional ailment or spiritual ailment, God can take care of us. And so we have talked about this resurrection power uh, through the eyes and through the views and the lives of Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And and this is where we start in this uh, lesson today that Jesus is back at the house of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And uh, just like always, Martha's serving. She's not being rebuked for it this time. Everybody's sitting at the table eating. Lazarus is at the table with Jesus, and they're talking. No doubt, I'm sure we know that uh, Jesus was friends with this family, that he loved this family. And I don't know how many times he uh, came to their home. Uh, He was not popular in Bethany. They wanted to kill him around that area but he would still come and visit in this house and and sit maybe as he was doing on this day, sitting at the table with many people listening, maybe uh, just talking with Lazarus about the the political climate of the day. Maybe they were just talking about what was going on in the neighborhood. I I have no idea. Jesus did probably just talk about regular things. Hey, what's she cooking today? I don't, you know, of course he probably already knew, but I don't, you know, but, uh, you know, just to, get everybody involved in the conversation. So, um, But maybe Martha was a great cook and he enjoyed uh, her food, but he did love this family. And as he is there today, we, we have the same cast of characters, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And on this day, um, Mary does something that sets her apart from her siblings. She, sometime during this meal, during this time of fellowship, I don't know how long she had sat or if she came in, just maybe she showed up and there he was and she did this, but I I just picture maybe she got up while Jesus was talking. Maybe something all of a sudden came over her and she leaves the room and she comes back with this, a pound, this bottle of ointment, this spikenard, and she began to pour it on the feet of Jesus. She even would bow down as far as to get uh, where she could put the hairs of her head on his feet. And, you know, people may not even really notice at first, but all of a sudden there was something going on in the room because they could smell. Hey, that's not bread I smell. That's not uh, meat cooking. That's that. I smell this aroma, this perfume. I smell something beautiful going on. Let me tell you, when you begin to worship, it changes the atmosphere of the room. Oh, come on, somebody. It, huh, yeah, it, 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 things begin to, to get different when things, uh, when people begin to worship. You know, we read uh, Isaiah's account of, of seeing the Lord high and lifted up, and, he's, and he begins to talk about the, the seraphims that are flying, and they're worshiping the Lord and crying out, and, and there's worship going on in the the post of the doors begin to move at the voice of those that worshiped. And, and the, the atmosphere changed. Uh, and he could see it physically changing. And they could tell something's going on in this room. And people begin to look around and there's Mary pouring this out. And maybe some were like, wow, you know, really awestruck at this. But there were those, uh, namely Judas, who was upset at her 
pouring out of this very costly oil and to, to see this uh, he, he even considered it to be a, a waste, to waste this oil. And, and uh, Judas was the last one to be saying anything about uh, anybody doing anything, uh, you know, for him or, or to be uh, trying to judge anybody or come against anybody. And, and so when people began to grumble, and I'm sure as Judas pointed that out, there were others that began to nod their head in affirmation. That's right. Why, why is she wasting this? And we could have sold this. We could have gave it to the poor but it was the Lord, uh, instead of rebuking Mary, he rebuked, Jesus, or he rebuked Judas. And in John 12, 7 and 8, he said, leave her alone. Let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor you, have all, or you always have with you, but me you will not have always. And so Mary's act of worship it attracted the, the commendation of the Lord. He was, he was given a seal of approval on her worship. Uh, unlike, uh, it, I'm sure he told Martha she, she cooked a good meal and, and he probably enjoyed the fellowship with Lazarus, but this was something different. She offered something of great worth in the face of public scorn out of no other reason except that she loved him so much. No other reason. It wasn't to, uh, to get anybody else's attention. It was simply because uh, she loved him. And when she did that, this is, look what this kind of worship did. It provided a prophetic glimpse into what was coming in the life of Jesus. He was just about six days away from his crucifixion, from his death. And when uh, she poured this out, he, he spoke and said she did this against the day of my burying. And man, when we will just worship God and not hold back and just let what's in here out, when, we, when we're pouring everything because, simply because we love him, because he first loved us. Let me tell you, you don't hold back worship. You don't hold back uh, you know, expressing that gratitude for the one who gave his life for you. You know, that healed your body and has delivered you over and over again, that filled you with his spirit, that has prepared a place for you. You don't hold back that worship. You know, the angels worship, but friend, they don't even know what it's like to be filled with the spirit of God. They don't know what it's like to, to enjoy this salvation. They have no idea of what it's like to be delivered. They were created by him and for him, and, and they're there, but for us, the free choice and, and for us to willingly fall down and worship the Lord, no matter what anybody else thinks about it, to just worship God in spirit and in truth and, and to pour out everything we have just so we can worship him, not for any other reason. She's not grandstanding. She's not taking selfies while she's doing it. She's not posting it, just poured the oil on his feet. She's just doing it so she can worship the king. Just because she loves him, she is sacrificing. And I'm sure this was probably the most expensive item in that house. Maybe it was laid up to be part of a dowry that would be paid for her one day when she was going to be married. But I'm not worried about the future now. I'm worried about the present. And right now he's here. And I'm going to give him my everything while he's here. I'm not going to wait till maybe, maybe he'll be back and, and maybe I'll have something else. But today... I'll take the most valuable thing I have and give it up for worship. 
Praise God. I, I want to worship him in spirit and in truth. I want, to, uh, I want to know him. And that's why Paul said, you know, at that point, Mary was closer to his death, burial, and resurrection than anybody else in the room. That, that act of worship had opened up something and the Lord spoke. That she did this against the day of my burial and leave her alone. She knows uh, something here and, and I'm going to provide a sacrifice for all mankind and, and I'm going to be buried. I'm coming back. I'm going to get out of there in three days. But let me tell you, she has done this uh, because of what's coming. And that's... Uh, what Paul is saying, when, when we worship like that, we get drawn close to the heart of God. And, and in Philippians 3 and 10, Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Friend, we're not going to experience or know him in the power of his resurrection if we can't worship him with everything in us. And and just to to maybe just bust our our traditions and our bubbles, but friend, living just showing up to church one time a week, that ain't worship. Well, I'm going, I I go worship every Sunday. God help us if Sunday is the only day that we worship him. And if we think that our act of worship is, is confined into a box of sitting on a pew or singing a couple of songs, Friend, let me tell you, we don't know what worship is, but worship will be our life. It'll be the sacrifices we make outside of these walls to, to not go here or not go there or to do this and to help to, to reach the poor, to reach the lost, those kind of things. That's what it means to worship God, to live for Him. When we pour our life out, we, man, old things have passed away and now things are made new. What am I doing with the new that he has given me? Am I worshiping him with my life? Friend, we worship him in many ways. We worship in our giving. We worship in our prayer. We worship in our fastings. I know that, but sometimes our greatest act of worship is just what we do every single day. Jesus is going to divide some people up one day to the left and the right. And he said, those that visited me when I was sick. Well, when did we visit you when you were sick? Those that came and saw me in prison and locked up. When did we do that? When did we clothe you? When did we feed you? When did we do all these things? When you did it to the least of these. In our acts of worship uh, towards others, to those that are less fortunate, to those that don't know the truth and the love of God. When we reach out to people who need him, he said, you do that unto me. That's worship. And so that's why a church cannot, cannot exist. It cannot be self-contained and just live off uh, one another's praise and things like that. We, it, we, then we're just a club. Uh, we are the cult that people accuse us of being. But when we get outside of these walls and when our lifestyle is about just living a life pleasing unto God, that's worship. I have nothing. I can't give him enough money. He don't need it but I can give him my service. I can give him what I've got, and I've got to give him all of who I am. We learn these things, and uh, the time spent at his feet in, in, in worship, in reverent worship, it will allow us to know him in a way that just a, the casual Christian and, and the real I only dance and shout when the music's on kind of person, they, they'll never know. Because it's all about that time, that little act that gets them. But 
but a worshiper. Worshippers lay in bed at night with tears flowing out of their face. Worshippers are moved when they see the lost. Oh, because they know that the one they love died for that one that was lost. Oh, worshipers get, get past. They don't worry about what nobody thinks about the way they live. God makes me, uh, you just, if there's anything that makes me angry, it's for somebody to, to, to shut down because they're worried about, oh, somebody's going to think I'm, I'm a fanatic because they're going to think I'm one of them holy rollers because I go to church every time the doors open. Or, I, or they, they're going to think I'm, in, I'm crazy because I, I, I've been filled with the Spirit and I speak in other tongues. They, and they, they, it's like they're embarrassed of what God has done in their life. If it embarrasses you to tell somebody that you've been filled with the Spirit of God and you spoke with other tongues, why don't you ask God what he thought about what you just said? Because he's the one that filled you with that gift. And he died so you could have that gift. Don't ever let anybody make you feel uh, like you're something, something's wrong with you or you're just trying to be some way just because you worship with everything that's in you. Mary, yeah, I, I was thinking about this I said, every time I read about Mary, the sister of Lazarus, she is at his feet. In Luke 10 and 39, she sat at his feet and listened to his words. In John 11 and 32, when her brother was four days dead, when the Lord uh, showed up, she ran out and it says she fell at his feet. When her grief and her need were so great she knew there was no place that I can be except at his feet. And in John 12 and 3, she was anointing his feet and wiping them with the hairs of her head. I believe that Mary learned something that first day sitting at the feet, listening to those words, listening to what he was saying. She got a revelation of who he was and she knew that if I can learn this now at his feet, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. The woman with the issue of blood was healed at his feet. Friend, let me tell you, there's something about being at the feet of Jesus. I want to, I want to be able to get down uh, and humble myself at the feet of Jesus. What Mary teaches us is something I've said all the time is nobody can worship God for you. And that's the beautiful thing about it is that you worship God for what you have experienced with him who he is to you. You pour out that value. That's on you. You don't have to worship up to anybody else's standard. You're worshiping. And Mary was showing us that worship is an individual matter. Praise, hey, we sing together. Praise is oftentimes done in a group. Matter of fact, we like it better. You'd be feeling real funny if nobody else was standing up and you was the only one standing up going, you it's a lot easier to do that when everybody's doing it. You know, a lot of people don't want to be the only one to take off running or the only one. It's always easier if somebody else steps on out there first. Now I can get, I can get going now because you know, somebody else. But Mary's worried about nobody else. Worship is uh, individual. You can offer that individually. And, and, and the thing about it, nobody else in the house was pouring oil. She didn't say, I'm, as soon as I see somebody break the oil out, I'm going to go get my bottle. She wasn't waiting on somebody else to start up or, or to do it or, or even cared if somebody did. She was going to pour out what was valuable to her. And so she, she went and, uh, and got her 
bottle of oil, very expensive. Uh, her worship did not depend on anybody else's involvement. You don't have to come in here and think, well, as soon as I, as soon as I hit that first note, I'm going to take off. As soon as I see somebody else stand up, I'll stand up. You know, I ain't waiting on nobody. Because guess what? I, I, I didn't come to church to worship you. I come to worship with you. I didn't come to praise you. I come to praise with you. And so, uh, but if you're not, I'm still gonna. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Is that you got to make it up. If everybody else is in a bad mood today and don't want to stand up, I can't help that. I'm gonna stand up. I, I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna praise him because he woke me up. He got me here. And so, like I said, if he got you here, that he's got a reason for you being here. I'm not going to waste my time uh, trying to please everybody else in the room. Uh, and you never know, your worship might just cause an aroma that begins to fill the room. It's one little girl uh, at the feet of Jesus, and everybody's like, "Woo!" everybody is experiencing the results of her worship. I remember uh, Sister Everhart and Sister Rebecca, so then when we were in the church coming up, they'd always say, don't. Hold back because you just might be the key in that service. You know, they used to tell us that. It, and so you, you don't ever hold back you know, you, because that worship uh, that you're giving, that, that, even that praise that you're giving, whatever it is, can be contagious and someone can, can feel and, and, and it can begin to move them to where they can finally let go and worship God like they should. And, and so Mary's individual worship was, it was beautiful. It was precious. It was commendable from the Lord but it was not cheap it cost something it's going to cost something the spikenard that she poured on her feet was uh, an aromatic amber colored oil and it came from a flowering, flowering plant that grew in the Himalayas of Nepal, China and India so for someone to have brought that flower made that oil, transported it to Judea it would have been very, very expensive for this family to have. But there was Mary, not worried about the economic impact. She poured out the entire contents of her supply on his feet. She was not just dabbing. She, she wasn't just putting oils on his feet. Everybody's into the essential oils. You know what, that, what I'm talking about. I got a little cold. I'm going to put some thieves on my feet. I'm going to put some... Yeah. She wasn't just... Rubbing a little bit of oil on his toe, make his headache go away. No, she, she didn't just say, well, you know what, I'll save some of this for later. He'll probably come back. I'll save a little bit for later. She said, may not be a later. <laughs> I'm going to give it all now. And she began to pour the entire contents out. Uh, she, she emptied her supply. When we were in Israel, whether this was the type of bottle she had or not, I don't know. But we saw an alabaster box. An alabaster box is not a box. It's not a box. It's a bottle. But what they do is when they put the oil or whatever it is they put in there, the top of it is sealed and covered. It's not a, it ain't got a lid you can screw off and screw on. It's no cork. To open that and use it, you have to break it. And they would hit it and break the, the top off, the neck of the bottle off, and then they would pour it out. So once it's opened, there's no saving what's in there. It, when it's open, it's meant for use. Well, 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 come on, somebody. 
That's why we talk about sometimes we need we do need to be broken sometimes so we don't try. You, know, you can't once it's opened, you can't cover it back up. It's open for a reason, and if you ever find that time of brokenness, you've been broken for a reason. It's time to pour out. It's not time to hold on. It's time to pour out. It's time to get it out. Don't come in here with don't come in here with your cotton ball. That little cotton ball worship, dab a little bit of worship. I come here to pour it out. I come here to pour it out. I'm going to take the lid off of it and pour it out. I want to just, no, no, no. Let me just get a little bit, Uh uh-uh. Pour it out. Take the lid off of it. I don't want to waste it. It ain't wasted. My God, if you ever think worship is wasted, you don't know what worship is. You will never waste a moment of worship. It'll all all work for your betterment. It'll all work for your your good. Let me tell you, that that worship, it's like that. That's what brings us close to his death and his resurrection. Lest we forget, that's what it's about. We are only alive in this life because of that death, burial, and resurrection. Not just the resurrection, but the death also. Paul said, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live it by the Son of God, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself, which he means he died for me. That's why I'm living today, because he died for me and he rose from the dead. And so uh, this life is a life of worship, and it's going to cost. Paul will tell you what it cost. Cost his own countryman beating him, stoning him, and leaving him for dead. Abraham could tell her about cost and worship. Because uh, that only son that he had, that he loved so much, Isaac, in whom the promise was, God said, take him up to that mountain and sacrifice him. And you know what his description of that sacrifice was? Worship. When Abraham and Isaac and his servants get to the mountain, he said, you stay here. Me and the lad, we're going to go up and worship and we will come again. And you know what he found when he got up there? He found a ram in the bush. He said, God will provide a lamb, an act of worship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But if you didn't just feel that hit you, that act of worship, he provided let me tell you, when you know I've got to, maybe I've got to lay something down. I've got to be obedient. I've got to give some things up. God's going to provide. God's going to make sure. Oh, come on, somebody. The scripture, I believe the writer in Hebrews gave us a little insight and said, Abraham was willing to do that because he knew that if he did have to kill him, God could raise him from the dead. God's not here to take away your promise. He's going to see, do you worship me? Do you love me? Do you trust me? I'm not here to rob you of your promise. I told you that in Isaac, your seed would be called. I told you that Isaac is that promise. I've let you know that, Abraham. I didn't call you out to to walk away from everything you knew uh, to just serve me and then be let down. But when you walked away from your family, when you walked away from your land, when you obeyed me, that was worship. And and Abraham was a worshiper of God. 
before, before there was Israel, wasn't even Israel yet, and Abraham was worshiping God. Wasn't, wasn't no, Abraham, uh, no Jacob yet, wasn't no Israel yet, but Isaac was a worshiper of God. Listen, we are worshipers before we are anything else because we are his creation made in his image. We must uh, come into this presence. When we enter into this presence of God, we must come in with worship, bring our all. We, we, we can't hold things back. If, if we want access to the power for victorious living, if we want access to the power of that resurrection, there will be a cost involved. Worship that is partial is not even it's not worship at all. You know, the word worship is connected with the word worth or worthy. That means worship is ascribing honor and reverence to that which we see as worthy of the same. So if I'm just kind of ho-humming my worship today, what does that say about my attitude toward the Lord? Worship is not dependent on how I feel. I'm sure... Uh, hey, Abraham did not go up that mountain rejoicing. He knew this was about to be ugly business, that I'm going to put a knife through my son. I am not happy about the fact that I'm going to do this, but I trust God even when I am not happy, even when I am unsure, even when I am devastated uh, with this boy looking up at me and that knife pulled back. He was just about to do it. And that angel said, whoa, hold on. Don't hurt him. For now I know. He said, now I know. I tell you, God's going to know us by our worship. Abraham said, this is worship. And God's going to know us by our worship. Uh, we, can't, we can sit stone-faced all we want to. God's going to know us as such. But I want him to know me as a worshiper. I want him to know that I would give my all, that I'll give my life, that when he saved me, it wasn't just so I'd get a free ticket to heaven. I saw a sign on the church the other day, not, not trying to bash the church, it's just the sign is misleading. Because it said, free trip to heaven, details inside. It ain't no free trip. It's going to cost you. Somebody's got to be, Jesus said, you got to count the cost. It's going to cost you're going to take up the cross daily and follow him. It's going to cost. It's going to cost you some relationships. Yeah. Come on. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you a change of life. It's going to, you're going to need a change of venue. Because you can't just go everywhere you used to go. You can't just do everything you used to do. It's going to cost something. But what uh, the scripture said, but what would it profit us if we gained the whole world? And lose our soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Paul said, The things that were gained to me, I counted loss that I could win Christ. Let me tell you, if you're not willing to, if there's something you just won't lay down for Jesus, my. And, and then we, we try to wrap that up in the statement of, Well, God don't really ask me to do that, or God don't require that. But what if He did? What if it is in the scripture? What if he did require that? But we think that's not, well, that, that was probably good for Peter and Paul. 
But, you know, for the 21st century with all this tolerance that we have today and coexisting that we've got going on and, you know, hey, that, that cancel culture, people people been canceling scriptures for years. The cancel culture against the book has always been there. People have been canceling scriptures. They, 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 they translate it now and just leave whole sections out. I want to, I got to get back on, on this worship. Romans 12 and 1 said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's our reasonable service. But I don't want to hold back. I don't, I don't think it's just be reasonable. It, it, it was unreasonable what the Lord did for me to suffer like he did for me. It was unreasonable what he did to, to purchase my redemption and to make sure I'm whole and, and to fill me with his spirit and then prepare a place that where he is, I can be also. A promise of him coming back one day, that's unreasonable considering who I was. But that's God. And you know why he did it? Because he loved us. He did what he did because of the value he places on us. That's why nothing else could redeem us except the precious blood of Christ. That's the only thing. Couldn't be silver, couldn't be gold, couldn't be any of that stuff that man values. It had to be what he valued the most. And so God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And he showed us what we meant to him by wrapping himself in flesh, going to that cross, giving his life for us so that we could be saved, washed, cleansed from our sins. And so how can I not give everything up, everything I can, do all that I can to show him what I think about that act, what I think about him. Friend, worship will humble you. Worship and pride do not cohabitate. They, they don't exist in the same thing. We must hum, humble ourselves. And, and this worship that Mary had, it drove her to his feet. You think about now, there's a lot of folks that, well, they don't like feet. And we live in a day with shoes and socks. Most people in that day walked around barefooted, sandals, open-toed sandals, mostly things like that, you know. Um, so dusty, dirty, sweaty. And she wasn't just, a, it wasn't like he was the only one in the room, so it was just his feet. He's sitting at a table. Feet on the left, feet on the right. Feet all around. There she is pouring out the oil, every bit of it. And then, getting close enough to put the hair I don't know how long Mary's hair was and maybe it was to the floor she still had to get down to the feet but, but maybe, maybe it was just about the middle of her back maybe it was to her shoulder I don't know she had to get down close enough to put her hair and use it to wipe his feet and probably touch it, her hair was probably touching other people's feet it didn't matter because she was humbling herself she wasn't there so everybody could applaud her. She wasn't there. She was just mirroring what Jesus would do in a few days at, at what we call the Last Supper. Uh, no, she wasn't washing feet, but she was ministering to his feet. And just like Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, he was ministering to those disciples, and that's what she was doing. She was uh, just mirroring what he would do. Nothing glamorous about it. And when she did that, you know, she's the hostess. Everybody kind of, you know, real nice and, and respectful to the hostess. She just wiped away all that privilege that she would have enjoyed as hostess when she did that because now she got up 
with whatever dust and dirt that came off his feet, mixed with, you ever put got oil in your hair? And how you ladies with that long hair, oil, or, you know how hard that is to, to wash out and things like that. And now just think, she's wiped that dust, that dirt, is, her hair's probably from wiping it and it's probably, her hair's matted up now. No matter. I come to worship. And whatever I got to do, I didn't come here to be glamorous. Worship is rarely glamorous. It's, it's guttural. It's, it's, it's raw. It's, it's it echoes of death uh, to ourselves and to our, our own crucifixion. It, it's about the cross we carry, which the cross is an instrument of death. It's, it's not enjoyable, but it's profitable. And our willingness to invest in this kind of selfless act will uh, and humble ourselves is where we find God lifting us up. Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and 6 to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so he can exalt us in due time. When we humble ourselves and worship, God will exalt us. And then we don't enter into worship lightly. There'll always be criticism, somebody. We read about, you know, we talked about it, Judas criticized her for her worship. She could probably hear them saying, you know, what is she doing? Why is she wasting this? And, and, and uh, you know, the unspoken implication of that is she's just doing this to be seen. She just wants to appear spiritual, you know. And so even though Judas, like I said, he had no, no room to talk about anything, but I'm sure the word stung nonetheless, but she still poured it out. And it happens when we worship God today that people withdraw because of the suggestion that we are just trying to wear a mask of spirituality. But when people criticize you for your worship, it's normally so they can just deal with the guilt that they feel for their own lack of spiritual, you know. When pe- Listen, people who don't worship don't like people who do. People that don't praise, they don't like people that do. Yeah, People that... Uh, don't read the Bible, they don't like people that read the Bible. Because any time it comes up, it just points to them and their lack and what they don't do. Hey, if you don't value it enough to read it, if you don't value it enough to pray, if you don't value it enough to worship, I don't know, but I'm not going to focus. You know, Mary didn't respond to Judas. He never said Mary answered anybody. She let the Lord speak for her. And it was the Lord that spoke the words that said, leave her alone. What she's done, she's done because of the day of my death that's coming. And so you leave her alone. Listen, when anybody starts criticizing you for your worship, you just remember, I'm waiting to hear the voice of the one that's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. You can come to the music, brother. Get ready to close. Stand with me. I'm sure many of us, most of us, if not all of us, have heard of Alexander the Great. He was the ruler of Greece at the young age of 20 when his father was assassinated. Over the next 13 years, he led his men on one successful military campaign after another until his empire was the largest in history, stretching from Greece uh, to northwest India. He was undefeated in battle, and he's generally considered one of the history's most successful military commanders and one of its greatest leaders and the accounts of his unique personal perspective 
or manifold. He is still studied today. One day as Alexander was on horseback with his entourage, he passed a beggar. The poor man was dressed in rags. He lifted a trembling hand in petition to the mighty ruler of an empire. And Alexander reached into a pouch that he carried. And in the dust of their passage, he grabbed a handful of golden coins and tossed them to the needy man to gather up. As they went down the road, one of his officers asked him a question. said, General, why did you give the beggar gold coins? Copper coins would have suited his needs. And Alexander turned in his saddle and told the soldier, Copper coins may suit the beggar's needs, but gold coins suited Alexander's giving. He understood the principle that sacrifice is not measured by the recipient's needs, but by the giver's. Mary did not worship Jesus because of his needs, but because of hers. I don't worship God and give up those things because of his needs. It's because what I need, and I need him. The Lord does not need our worship. He's God with it or without it. But we need him. The level of sacrifice that we are willing to offer him is about our needs. Worship is not what he needs to receive, but what we need to give. We need to give him worship. And we are the ones who benefit from time spent in humble sacrifice at the feet of Jesus. That sacrifice will shape us to become more like him. We connect with his death. We see our selfish ambitions die in worship. And we also connect with his resurrection to see our new future as it begins to come to life. To experience fully the life that came from his empty tomb, sacrificial worship with all its effects must be a part of our spiritual lives. Copper worship may be enough for him, but gold worship is what we need to offer. We need to worship him in spirit and truth. Would you lift your hands this morning and begin to worship the Lord in this place? Come on, what's he mean to you this morning? Oh, I worship you in this house, Jesus. Blessed be your name, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Worship you in this house. Come on, that's it. Just worship the Lord. I know what, don't worry about what time it is. Just worship the Lord for a moment. This house. Come on, pour it out on him this morning. Holy God. Hallelujah. Oh, we pour it out on you, God. We pour it out on you, God.
Come on, pour it out on him in this house this morning. Come on, what have you got to do to get to it? What have you got to do to get to him? Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving. Hallelujah. Come on, empty it out. Empty it out. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Don't stop. Don't stop what you're doing. I want you to listen to me for just a second. Listen, we'll adjust the schedule. Don't worry about that. But the Holy Ghost is doing something in this place today. And we're going to take a few more moments. But I would like to ask if you would. And if you're able. If you're not, it's completely understandable. Because this is going to be very symbolic, just what we want to do. But if you're able, if you could come and find a place in this altar to to kneel. Or maybe kneel at your seat. Or just bow your head at your seat. But I want us to humble ourselves. Find ourselves, Lord, in worship. And I, we're, not, we're not fixing to pray. We're going to worship the Lord together. As one people. Hey, even, even pagan kings know the value of corporate worship. That's why he tried to get Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego to... to I can't have people not. I need everybody in this. But we worship the true God. And so for just the next few moments, sing this again, brother. And just for the next few minutes, we're going to worship together. I want you to thank him, worship him, love him. What's he done for you? Don't ask for healing, miracle signs. Just worship the Lord. Come on, let's worship together, church. Hallelujah. Let's worship he lo 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 bo san da lo 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 ba i lo lo bo sa.
Hallelujah. Oh, we just pour that, pour that worship out on you, God. We worship you in this house today. Thank you, Lord. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be praised. worshiping the Lord choir if you if you're in the choir if you'll make your way but rest of us just keep that attitude of worship keep that posture of worship this morning I know this is a lot different but we're going to do do things decently and in order but we're going to let the Lord have his way in this place God's moving in this house this morning let me tell you when you worship the Lord when you pour out yourself before him that's when the miraculous can happen. You don't have to even ask. God knows your need. You begin to worship Him. God can feel you, the Holy Ghost. Transform your life in this house today. Thank you, Lord. Let's continue our worship in this house. Continue to pour it out. Come on, lift your voices. It's individual. Come on, let's worship.
Thank you, Jesus. 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 Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Lord, I give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, I give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Itana sheina na moko sandala mokata ina na kaya shone amana kisna se nasana kashina na moko so ye ni na kanaya isaradeni kina ma se ne ne na moko na shane kanaya 
Ilo donata isata sutumukushita makaisi nika. Kea hasehe nika hiya hasehe.